right, praise the Lord, High Desert Word Center. It's great to see everybody on this beautiful Sunday morning in January. What an awesome day to be in the house of the Lord together. Um, as you can see, it's going to be a pretty uh, tight fit once again today, which is awesome. Uh, but just make sure that you may have to squeeze next to each other a little bit. They're going to set up some extra chairs. Um, and so a few um, few quick reminders before we get things kicked off. Um, for one, the children are in here uh, until the baby dedications. We're going to be doing baby dedications in just a few minutes, all right? And so after the baby dedications, the children will be dismissed to their classes at that point. Uh, some of them have uh, siblings that are getting dedicated and stuff like that. So we want to make sure that they get to be a part of that. And so after that, kids will be dismissed. Also, I just want to keep reminding you that uh, we, we ask, unless you need special assistance or maybe you're nursing a baby or receiving some healing, uh, that you sit in the regular uh, sanctuary during the service, not the coffee bar. Again, unless you just need special assistance back there, and then we totally understand that. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Um, I was going to introduce a few people, but I don't see them, so we'll just go ahead and move forward. Let's stand up together today, and we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we walk by faith, man, and we are believing that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen today? All right, let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes here and do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets the love today. Let's go.
Praise the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to church. Yes. I'd like to tell you it's not this chaotic all the time, but it is. Yeah. It totally is. <laughs> we love you. You can be seated. Amen. So we need to do baby dedications, but super fast. We're going to do some membership certificates because we promised that we would make sure that you came to the front. Yeah. There's no way out of it. You become a member, you're coming up here. And if you are serving in children's right now, you're stuck in the sanctuary. So, Michael Cordova, you are the first. Come on down. You are the first. Good morning. Stay up here so we can take a good picture of you in a second. I'm so glad that you're part of the family. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What else we have? Mary Lynn Gibbon. Mary Lynn. Mary Lynn. Yeah. Woohoo! I am so glad that you're part of us. She's full of joy. Miss Rayliana Garcia. Oh. Nursery. She's in nursery. She's the one that we didn't pull out. We'll get her. That's too bad. Okay, Julie Kilpatrick. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> now, I believe Julie said she wanted to give a speech. Was that right? No, okay, okay. I'm just. <laughs> Got her. All right, praise God. All well, right. welcome to the family, Three friends. More members, everybody. So glad that you are members here now. Woohoo! Amen. Are you taking a picture? All right. Oh. All right, very good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> welcome awesome. to the family. Awesome, awesome. All right. You're doing baby dedications and dismissing? Okay, so what we're going to do next, guys, is uh, what we're really excited about. Today we are doing baby dedications. And so, yes, I believe we've got four young men, all right, Uh, because that's the HDWC tradition, have tons and tons of boys all the time. So uh, we've got four uh, four little guys that are getting dedicated today. So what we're going to do is when we call your name, the baby's name, uh, family, come on up with them and uh, we're going to dedicate them and lay hands on them in just a minute, okay? So when we call your baby's name, come on up and just kind of take a little area there. Some of you have very large families, so you'll take up some space, all right? So the first one is Jaden, Jaden's family. Come on, yeah. And then we've got Brayden. Is Brayden's family here? Jaden, Brayden. Believe it or not, we also were going to do Caden today, but he's, they're going to, I'm not joking, but they're going to wait until next time. So we got Jaden, Brayden, Caden. Then I've got Kyrie. Is Kyrie here? I saw them walk in. Kyrie's family. There we are. Okay, Kyrie. And then Adonis, Adonis, is that family here? Adonis. Okay, all right, very good. Goodness gracious, okay, look at all these guys. Praise the Lord. Well, to kind of explain this just a little bit, you may be wondering, and I, you know, sometimes we take for granted that not everybody understands all of the different things that we do. And, um, and so you may be wondering, well, what is a baby dedication? Well, uh, at our church, uh, you know, we don't necessarily uh, do christening for a child and we don't baptize babies. Uh, we believe that that's a decision that somebody makes of their own accord uh, when they are of the, the, the mind and capability 
to do that. But what we do is baby dedications where the family gathers together and takes a moment to dedicate their baby to the Lord and to also make a dedication of themselves to the Lord that they are going to do their best to raise their child in the ways of God and in the Bible. And so as much as this is for the baby today, it's also a lot to do with the parents and the family that's standing up here with them because they're making a commitment uh, to help raise this child in the ways of the Lord. And so this is a very special moment and we always love doing baby dedications. And so uh, we're going to just talk for just a few brief minutes here today and then we're going to pray over each one of these babies and dedicate them to the Lord, okay? And so... But we are celebrating one of the happiest occasions that any church family gets to celebrate. And, you know, we absolutely love seeing new babies being born in to Christian families. This is a very good thing for our society and our community. Uh, But I always want to remind us when we do this that this is not just some tradition or ceremony that we that we do it's a serious moment in the lives of these parents and of the families here and of course the babies this is a a serious moment and so whether we realize it yet or not god already has a plan for these young lives right here and you guys know that uh, we may not know exactly what their calling is yet or, or what God's plan is just yet, but we do know that they are good plans for a good future. Can we get an amen on that today? Amen. And so I just want to share a verse here from Jeremiah chapter one and verse five. The prophet Jeremiah, the Lord spoke this to him. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And so we know that for each human being, God already knew them before they were even formed in their mother's womb. God already had a plan for every human life. And that is one of a million reasons why we are extremely unapologetically pro-life because we know God has a plan for every single human being. Amen. And so, you know, we understand that as we dedicate them today, this is not their salvation moment. They're going to come to a point in time when they get older and they're going to have to make that decision for themselves, whether they're going to choose Jesus or not. But we know this much, that as we raise them in the house of God and in the word of God, we believe in Jesus' name. They will choose Jesus. They will choose life. Amen. And they're going to serve the Lord all the days of their lives. And so we're going to dedicate them today. But one thing we're going to do before we pray over these guys is I'm going to ask the parents of each child. uh, We're going to kind of make some vows here that you're going to make before the Lord, kind of how somebody would make vows at a wedding. Well, we believe in this. And so parents, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me on this, mom and dads, and, uh, and just insert the name of your child since we're doing several at a time here. Okay. And so repeat this after me, say, father in Jesus name, we thank you for giving us the gift of, now say your child's name. (laughs) We realize that we have great responsibility 
to show him the ways of God. So today, January 28th, 2024, we are dedicating his life to you. May he always follow you and never turn away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. And so, praise God. I'm going to have the pastoral staff come with me, and we're going to pray over each baby here, okay? Each one of these little guys. So, come on in, team. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you so much for Jaden, God, and for his young life, Lord, and that his parents have chosen to do things your way. And so we speak the blessing of God over his life in Jesus' name. May he always follow you. May he always serve you. And may your plan for his life be fulfilled. We speak health, Lord, over him and prosperity and the peace of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you. He is yours, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Where's our next baby here? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for Braden, Father, and that his mom and dad are serving you, Lord. And we say in the name of Jesus, he's going to serve you all the days of his life, Lord. May he never, ever turn away from you, but he will follow you, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, he's going to fulfill your calling upon his life. And I thank you, Father, that he has the health of God in him. He's got the prosperity of God on his life and the peace of God all over him. And he will serve you all the days of his life. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And now we're going to pray over Kyrie. Amen. Wait. No, okay. I'm going to feed back over here. Amen. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lay hands on Kyrie right now, and we thank you, Lord, for the gift that this little guy is, Lord, just the joy that he brings to everybody, and Lord, I say in the name of Jesus that he will serve you all the days of his life, Father, and that he will fulfill your calling upon him in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we speak healing and health over him, Lord, prosperity in the name of Jesus, and that he will have the peace of God in his life and serve you all the days of his life, Lord. We thank you for your blessing on him in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you that it's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Let's give these families a great big hand clap this morning. You guys are awesome. And uh, there's a Bible for each of the babies and a dedication certificate. And again, uh, we would do a group picture, but I don't think that's going to work out. I think there may be too many of us here. So we'll go ahead and let you guys make your way to your seats. Let's hear it for these families again. Everybody, amen. Hallelujah. That is absolutely awesome. And we'll be doing some dedications again here in a couple of months. And so uh, if you want your child to be dedicated, well, we can absolutely take care of that. Okay, so I'm going to let Pastor Katie give some instructions on the children being dismissed to Children's Church. I don't want to screw that up. So whatever she says, just do it. Okay, there you go. Well, real quick, before we get everyone moving around, Mr. Everett Samples... Everett Samples, could you do me a favor and stand on your chair? 
You're not going to get in trouble for standing on your chair. Hi, Everett. Hey, friends, this is Everett Samples. He just moved here. And so when we dismiss for children's, make sure you meet him. He's our good new friend. Now, after Everett, we can introduce to you, please don't stand on your chairs, Mr. Joe and Portia Sample, Miss Portia Samples. This is my little brother, if you didn't know that. This is the baby of the family, my little brother, Joe. Amen. The man, the myth, the legend. He did actually move here. Yeah. His wife, Portia, and they've just moved here from Brooklyn, New York with us. He's uh, exiting the Marine Corps, and uh, they've got three little boys, and so you'll be seeing a whole lot of them in the coming time period. So we're glad they're here with us. Amen. Amen. All right. Very good. So, Everett, what grade are you in? (laughs) We're in preschool. Yeah? So that means you're in part of our littles class. Littles teachers, this is or Little's teacher, this is Miss Ilea. If you are, in, and Miss Beth, if you are in preschool, you are potty trained and three to five years old, you can line up right over here. Yeah, all right, preschoolers. Preschoolers. Preschool. All right. You're gonna line up? Let's go. This is always fun when we do this. It's like herding cats. Everybody loves it, it's adorable. Yeah. All right, very good, guys, preschoolers. There, there's Daisy. It's you too, Miss yeah. Daisy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay. We have a clump of preschoolers. That's amazing. <laughs> Don't you just love all of our kids here? I love They're them. Adorable. Okay. And then that leaves us with Jam Junior, which is going to be first graders, kindergarten and first graders. To Miss Betty. To Miss Betty. Kindergarten and first. And Jocelyn. And you guys already know how to line up. Amazing. Look at these guys. Yeah, they're ready. That's the best. Very good. Okay, and then we have Jam Senior, which is second and third. You're with Miss Summer. Over here with Miss Summer and Miss Lily, second and third grade. All right, and then you old people. Varsity, you fourth and fifth graders. You are with Miss Cindy and Miss Maylie, fourth and fifth graders. All right, praise the Lord. There are a lot of children that go to this church. Have you noticed that? <laughs> That's a good thing. We believe in be fruitful and multiply. Yes, we take our calling seriously. Yes. Oh. We right. love you guys. Have a great class. I wish I could do that. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you're with us for the very first time or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? Yeah, we got a gift Anybody for you first this time? Morning. Hi, welcome to church. Yeah. Hi, I'm so glad that you're with us today. We have a gift for you. If you'll fill out that card and take it to the information booth after service, we'll exchange it for your gift. Yeah. Yes. We're so, so glad that you're with us today. Um, Couple of things before we get into the message here. Your giving letters 
for any offerings that you gave for taxes, um, those have gone out this morning. There you go. Okay. If you have any difficulty with them, if your name's incorrect, if your address is incorrect, something like that, let us know. If you didn't receive one, let us know. So you can call the office number or you can stop me or Miss Desiree and we will be able to help you with that as well. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, some of you have been filling out what we call a ministry of helps application. That means for you to be able to serve in the body of Christ so you can help the pastoral staff do what God has called us to do. But in that, some of you put through that you didn't know what lift groups are. And I thought to myself, well, I messed that up for you. So I'm going to tell you what lift groups are. Lift means living in faith together. That's what lift is. Okay, so when we do men's group, women's group, marrieds, young adults, all of that is designed for us to live in faith together and to lift each other up. So all of those groups are designed to be a part of your life so that you can develop godly friendships and can be encouraged. If you have not participated in one yet, it's time. Okay? It's time. So... Marrieds night is coming. Yes. It is going to be February 2nd. So Lift Marrieds is February 2nd at 6.30. Child care is provided. Blake, go ahead and put that on the screen. Then we'll get the information better. <laughs> so you don't have an excuse not to come. Amen. So you come, you bring however many kids you have. We'll Free figure it out, okay? Yeah. Child care is provided. You're going to bring some level of an Italian dish, yeah. salad, lasagna, we don't care if it's Stouffer's and you, you know, bought it from the frozen food section. I care. We care. That's a joke. It's a joke. Hey, I listen, care. I love some Stouffer's. <laughs> That's a joke. I love <laughs> some Stouffer's. The only thing that really tops that is Mike and Betty when uh, they get into like a lasagna war. Yeah. They, yeah. It's real. They're married, by the way. Yeah, and real. they both cook really good. Hopefully they're both at Marrieds and you get We're one of each of their something good, Mike. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> So, Married's Night, February 2nd, 6.30, bring an Italian dish and all of your kids yes. have a great time. You can register for that at hgwc.org slash married. That way we have a head count of how many kids are coming. Also, Lift Men's Bible Study is going to be... No, that no. is this Saturday, but this is the weekly... Oh, yes, the weekly this is group. new! Timmy, raise your hand. Okay, <laughs> Tim! Tim! Jesse, okay, Tim's hey. believing God for this for a year and a half. They're all sitting in a row. Anyway, okay, Tim and Raymond, stand up. And Jesse Johns. And Jesse Johns, stand. where are you at? Stand up. Okay, stand up. You're oh, all like behind each other. That's man. weird. Okay, <laughs> they are as not normal as you are. Come on, yeah. Okay, so Lift Men's Bible Study is going to be Saturdays at 6.30 a.m., p.m.? P.m., 6.30 p.m. at Raymond's house, which yes. we won't give out. But if you don't know where Raymond lives, he'll tell you it's real easy. Okay, you can be seated. Thank you, Amen. gentlemen. All right. Good job. Thank you, gentlemen. That's new. I was like 6.30. Men's, Lift Men's is at 9 a.m. on the first Saturday, yeah. which is also coming up, by the way. Um, we also have a new uh, beginner's Bible class. Yes. Now, we have tried this several times, and you all let us fail. So here's the deal. This is a four-week plan. I'm going to give you this information, and you're going to come. Yeah. Because then when you stop me and be like, I don't understand how to use my Bible, I'm going to say, I told you, and you said you would come. Now's your chance. 
Okay. Beginner's Bible class, four weeks, beginning Sunday, February 4th at 9 a.m. in the admin building. That's this direction. Big tree, that's the admin building. Okay. So four weeks, you will get to learn how to read your Bible, how to use your Bible. It will get you started. So if you've been through SPT, our spiritual personal trainer program, or if you're new to church and you really want to grow, this is your class, yes. okay? So beginning Bible class, it's going to be 20, 30 minutes long, February 4th at 9 a.m. in the admin building. Yes, that's And right. that's all we've got for today, folks. That's it. Other than that, there's nothing going on around Nothing there. else. Yeah. It's fine. Very boring. All right. Praise the Lord. Very good. Well, we're going to go ahead, amen, and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And so what do we call that around here, everybody? Yes, absolutely. Why do we call it that? Because God loves a cheerful giver. So if you need an envelope this morning for your tithes or your offerings, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And if you're going to give online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Do we have any cheerful people in the house this morning? Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, amen. And we're going to look at verse 7. I'm in the NLT, the New Living here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. And uh, this is the verse that I was just referring to right here. But this is exciting for us. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's why we've determined, man, if there's something that God just loves, I want to be that. Do you know what I'm saying today? If it says that God loves this, that's what I want to be doing. And then look at verse eight. It really caps this off great. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Who in here today could say that God does provide all that you need? Amen. God's taking care of you. He's got you. And then it says, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Quick question. Who in here believes in leftovers? Come on. You, you, hey, you know this. Chili is good on day one, but it's even better on day two. Can I get a witness today? Amen. And so I'm just telling you right now, you're like, what is this weirdo talking about? Just check it out, okay? Leftovers are very good, you know, depending on what it is. But it says right here that as we give, God's going to generously provide for you, but he's going to see to it that you've got some left over so you can bless somebody else. Amen? Isn't that a good thing for us? That in the book of Acts chapter 20, it says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we all like to receive, but I like for God to bless me so much that I can be in the position of giving to others and not just always needing a miracle to receive something. And I'm telling you right now that if we'll obey the word of God, he will keep his word to us. He will see to it that we are so blessed we can help other people. Can we get an amen today? Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up together this morning. And we are going to speak some words of faith 
over our tithes and our offerings. Amen. And I, again, I remind you that this isn't just something that we do because we've got nothing better to say. We speak these words of faith over our giving and get God involved in every area. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. If you want, you can join us at the altar for praise and worship. Let's sing to the Lord together today.
I want us to, we're going to learn a new song together. And it's really, really simple, but if you want, I'm just going to take a second and just show you how it goes.
to us. You are so much better than we could possibly ever deserve. But we know, God, that you don't love us because of how good we've been. You love us because that is who you are. You are love. And Lord, we just thank you for that. You're so good to us. Praise the Lord. I was reading a verse just now that, uh, I don't know, I, I saw this in 2020, right when COVID hit, but but you know everyone's going crazy and all this stuff back then and you know what we need in our lives what you need whether you know it or not you need to be in the presence of god you need to be in the presence of god and uh in, in psalm 31 and verse 20 it says you hide them in the shelter of your presence the shelter of your presence. And if you feel like life is a storm, like you're being attacked on every side, man, you need some shelter and you need it now. But how am I gonna get shelter? I'm gonna get it by going in to the presence of God. You've gotta get this. And in fact, Psalm 89 verse 15 tells us that when we enter into worship, this gets us in to the presence of God. And I don't wanna preach a whole bunch just yet, but I do wanna let you know how privileged you are. You got no idea. I was studying the book of Hebrews this week and just looking at back under the old covenant, man, one person got to really go into the presence of God one time a year. And that wasn't the priest, that was the high priest. Amen? The once a year. And yet the Bible tells us right here in the New Testament in Hebrews and James that any single one of us now under this new covenant, any one of us, if you've been saved for five minutes, listen, you qualify, you can go boldly into the throne room, into the presence of God and get the help that you need. You don't gotta send me to do it for you. You don't gotta find somebody else. No, you can go into the presence of God and get the help that you need. The people in the Old Testament would be so jealous of the access that you have to go straight into the throne room of God. And so I'm telling you today, man, if you are dealing with something, if you're feeling down and depressed, if you're feeling defeated, and if you feel like the whole world's just coming at you, get into the shelter, amen, of the Most High. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty, like Psalm 91 tells us, man. You've got to get this. You need the presence of God. And you don't have to bashfully sneak in there, go through the back door, crawl your way and no, It says you can go boldly to the throne of grace because you are a child of God. Amen. I don't make my kids come crawling to me. I say, come on in. And that's what God says to us. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. The presence of God is what we need. Amen. Well, you can make your way to your seats this morning. Praise the Lord. Great job, worship team. Great job. Amen. Well, I'm excited to be getting into the Word of God here today. Amen. You picked a great day to be at church. If you're watching online, welcome. If you skipped church to watch football, then shame on you. All right, praise the Lord. It's a joke. It's a joke. Not really. Okay, so we're going to get in here. Uh, what we're going to be doing this morning is part four of our 2024 theme verse and series. Who knows what we've been talking about on Sundays? 
the harvest is great. And that reminds me, if you didn't know, it's probably because you didn't get a free calendar. There's calendars back there at the info booth. And we've got like a whole box. Please take a calendar, take two. At, at this point, you know, we got to get rid of those. So, uh, but praise the Lord. No, uh, our theme and vision for 2024 is the harvest is great. And we get that off of Luke 10, 2. And so let's go ahead and put that on the screen today. Let's look at our theme verse for 2024. We need to be reminded of this consistently if we're going to fulfill the vision that God's given us. So let's go to Luke 10 and verse 2. Who's excited for the Bible today? Amen. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 2. And every year, I'm just going to do a little recap, a little review for just a few minutes here. But every year, you know, we, we, we pray and ask God, hey, what is the, the direction that you need us to go for the new year? And we specifically always ask the Lord to give us a theme verse that we can base all of this off of. Because, you know, your vision's no good if it's not based off of anything. And uh, especially when we're talking spiritually, it's got to be based on the Word. You have to have some scriptures that your vision is based off of in your personal life and as a church here. And so Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, Jesus had just sent out 72 disciples to go do his work. And in verse 2 it says, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great. Well, that's good news. Uh-oh. But the workers are few. So there's plenty of harvest, but the bad news is there's not enough people out there doing the work. So pray to the Lord, who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so what's this harvest he's talking about? Are we called to go harvest wheat and corn and, and tomatoes? And I mean, those are fine things, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a harvest of souls, of lost people that they don't know. They're blind, they're lost, and they need Jesus just like you need Jesus. Who in here could say, man, I need Jesus? Dude, I'm a mess without Jesus. <laughs> Amen. You may not like me now. You'd really not like me if I didn't have Jesus. I'd be so much worse, all right? And so, listen, Jesus said, here's the deal. There's no shortage of lost people and hurting people. There's no shortage of sinners, but there is a shortage of Christians, of Jesus followers, who are willing to go out there into the fields and bring in this harvest and tell these people the good news, the gospel, that Jesus loves them. Amen? And so Jesus told us right here to pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. And so even as we scan this room here today, we understand that so many of you you're already out in the fields working for Jesus. You're already out there doing what you can do to help bring in the harvest. And some of you, there's somebody praying for you right now to get out there to the fields. You're welcome. You know, that was, that was for you. You know, hey, if the shoe fits, just wear it. But, but listen, some of you, somebody has been praying, Lord of the harvest, would you send somebody to reach my sister? Would you send somebody to reach my dad? And guess what? You are the worker that God wants to be sent out there to reach somebody. You're the answer to somebody's prayers. Me? I live in Barstow. I, I don't know anything. I've never been to Bible college. I don't know. Listen, 
Listen, we all have a different role to play in bringing in the harvest. And I said it last week, some of you are called to watch the babies so mom and dad that have been stressed out to the max can come in here and have an hour of a clear mind and heart to hear the gospel message and receive Jesus. Yeah, but that's not me up there preaching. It doesn't matter. You helped out and you did your part. God's not asking you to do every part out in the field. He's just asking you to do your part. Amen? You're not responsible for everybody else's job, right? You're responsible for what God called you to do. And that's exciting, but you better take it serious because you will stand before God someday and he's going to say, hey, man, I, why, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? And we will give an account for our lives. This is both exciting and very sobering, uh, depending on how seriously you take God and his calling on your life. And so uh, we've said it a couple weeks ago and we've proven it biblically, but this is the end times. Uh, there's too many things uh, happening in our world that the Bible predicted that are happening right now to say that, no, no, it's just a coincidence. I mean, sure, the Bible specifically listed these nations were going to go at each other, but it's just a coincidence, though. It's not a coincidence. God was right, and he's, Jesus is coming back soon, and you better believe it, and you better be right with God. Amen? And so we're going to kind of take a, a little bit of a turn in our series here because I'm going to ask this question over the next few weeks. What will it take to bring in the harvest? Okay. Now, we've established the fact that the harvest is great, and if for, for no other reason Jesus said it, so that's a good enough reason, but we've shown other things to point to that as well. But I don't want to just acknowledge that there's a need. We want to do something about it, because it's no good to just acknowledge that there's issues if you're not going to bring some solutions to the table. And so the question we are going to ask over the next few weeks is this, what will it take to bring in the harvest. And the very first thing we're going to say today is this. This will be at uh, the top of your outline there. Is number, well, it's not number one, but faith. It's going to take some faith. Who knows that it takes faith to do what God's called you to do. Now, uh, if you need an outline for the message and didn't get one, the ushers, they're doing their job, but I'm not. So, listen, if you need an outline, raise your hand and they'll give you one. You can follow along with. Uh, but I, I really want you to get this today. The, the first thing that it's going to take here, uh, if you're going to really begin to do your part to bring in the harvest, is it's going to take faith. Well, faith about what? Number one, it's going to take faith that Jesus is real. That Jesus is real. Who in here today knows that Jesus actually is real? He exists. This isn't, this isn't a fake thing. This is so real <laughs> that, 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 that I trust Jesus. I've never seen him. I'll tell you that right now. I've never seen Jesus, but I believe that he is even more real than the people I can see in front of me right now. This one that I've never even seen, I have experienced him and felt him and, and known him in ways that I've never known any person that I can see. And he has done more for me than anybody that I've ever seen in my entire life. I am convinced that Jesus is absolutely real. Hebrews 11:6. Let's check this verse out. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Man, you got to know this one. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Let's go there. Who's excited to learn some about Jesus today, man? Yeah. We're going to break it down. Hebrews 11 
and verse 6, and it tells us this. And it is impossible to please God without faith. So who in here, what are your chances of pleasing God if you have no faith? What are your chances? Zero percent chance. It, it will not happen. It's impossible to please him without having any faith. Why? Well, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. <laughs> that makes sense. But it adds this on. And he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, why would it be impossible to please God if you don't have any faith? Because you can't even believe that he is real without faith because you can't see God right now. You can't see him. In fact, you can't see God the Father in the face or you would die. What? Yeah, the, the book of Numbers <laughs> tells us all this, man. In fact, we looked at this last year. If you looked God in the face, you would basically disintegrate, all right? His glory is so bright and, and blinding that it would annihilate you. Moses said, Lord, just please, I want to see you face to face. And God's like, trust me, you don't want that. <laughs> it would kill you if you saw my face. And so God worked this out with him. He said, I'm going to pass by this mountain here. You can see me from behind. And Moses saw God's backside, and it lit him up like a trillion-watt LED light bulb that when he came down the mountain, the rest of the Israelites couldn't look at him. They about made them pass out because he was shining so bright with the glory of God. God is beyond comprehension for any of us. But he is so real, even though we can't see him. And so you've come to that place. If you've received Jesus, if you're a Christian in here, you've come to this place where you believe that God is real. Do you believe that this morning? God's real. Jesus <laughs> is God in the flesh. Jesus is real. But I'm telling you, you've got to get to a place in your life that Jesus is so real that you talk to him every single day. Who in here, you talk to Jesus every day. I mean, I, I talk to Jesus every single day. And you've got to realize that he's with you every single step of your day. And so, you know, people ask this, can you prove that God is real? And, you know, I would say yes. And I know some people would say, you can't prove he's real. Well, I've got several proofs that God is real. One proof that I have that God is real is as I look around this room and see people that used to be addicted and bound by the devil, and they've tried every program, every drug, every help group in the world, and still couldn't break free, but one touch of Jesus set them free. That's the proof that, I, that you know, that's one proof. But I'll tell you this much, another proof that we have that God is real is his creation. Creation proves the existence of God. Do you ever see a building and just think like, man, wow, wonder how that building got there. It must have just happened by coincidence. Buildings don't build themselves, all right? Every building is proof of a builder. Every painting is proof of a painter. And all creation is proof of a creator. 
you've got to see this, all right? And so nobody in their right mind would drive by this building and say, man, that must have just, uh, that must have just through millions of years of whatever. Uh, isn't that the craziest thing? That a perfect building formed with HVAC and plumbing and electricity purely by chance. I don't have enough faith to believe in the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't merge and crawl out of the waters and morph into a human being. That is a bunch of baloney, all right? Listen to me. God made you perfectly how he wanted you to be. God made the mountains that we can stare across this highway and look at. God made that. God made puppies and kittens and rainbows and ponies and all of these things that may put a little smile on your face. Listen, these are not a coincidence. We have a creator. And I'm telling you right now, if somebody says, Yo, can you prove that God's real? Absolutely. This creation had a creator. And I want you to look at Romans chapter 1 this morning. Romans chapter 1. Amen. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. Now, some of this that we're saying, you don't need any convincing. The majority of you, uh, you get this. And, and, and I, I'm in a spot now, when I, especially when we preach on a Sunday morning, the cross-section of people that we have in this room. I've got people that have been saved and following Jesus double the time that I've been alive. And then I've got people in here that got saved last week. And so we cover some of this stuff, and you that have been saved for 50 years are like, well, man, don't everybody know that? No. And we want to cover it, man. And so the job is extra hard these days to feed everybody in this room on a Sunday morning. But I'm telling you right now, you have got to establish this in your heart, that Jesus is real. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. And this is kind of tackling the question of, well, you know, how do people know that God is real? What if nobody's ever told them? Romans 1 and verse 19, here's what the scripture tells us. Listen, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. God reveals himself to people. He makes himself obvious to people. Well, how does he do that? Well, look at verse 20. For ever since the world was created, People have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. What a powerful thing to get a hold of right there. Because, listen, you've grown up right here in the good old U.S. of A. You've got every chance usually to hear the gospel, whether you want to or not. We're, you know, at some point, we're going to hit you with it, okay? <laughs> and, and, but, but there's always this question about, well, man, but what if, what if there's just somebody that never got a chance to hear it? And that does happen, but God will speak to people and reveal himself through his creation and let them know, hey, there is something. There is a creator. There is a God. And bottom line, no one has any excuse for not knowing God. What a statement for the scripture to make right there. And so I'm telling you today, Jesus 
is real. And, and throw that Hebrews 11 sentence back up there, Blake. Look at the very last sentence of this. you got to believe that he's real and check it out. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's good news today. Who in here, man, you're, you, you're not saying you're perfect, but you are sincere. And you are sincerely seeking God. I'm telling you, he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's a very, very good thing for us. Because I need every blessing, every bit of God that he's willing to pour out on my life. Can someone say amen today? All right, and so if we're going to bring in the harvest, it's going to take faith, number one, that Jesus is real, and number two, that Jesus is good. Jesus is good. Who knows that today? Psalm 34, King David said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good. And it says, Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. But if you as a Christian don't believe that Jesus is good all the time, why would you want to lead other people to him? Until you get this established in your heart, you will lack the proper motivation to go out to the harvest field and bring souls into the kingdom of God. Listen, I've never ate at a bad restaurant and said, ooh, I got to call all my homies. <laughs> I need everybody to eat at this place. Man, that's stupid. Why would you want to invite everybody to a place that you don't believe is actually good? You, you get what I'm saying here? You know, there, there's never a time. But yet, when you eat at a good restaurant, what do you do? You pull out your phone, you take pictures of your food, you take pictures of you with your food, and you spread the good news all over the world. Like, and I just wish we could take an ounce of that passion that you have, you know, for a, a cheeseburger or a taco, and if you would be as passionate about spreading the good news of Jesus as you are about, you know, recommending a taco, dude, we'd probably be in heaven already. We'd probably already be there. Listen, so don't say, I would, I would, I would share the gospel if I just had some passion. Stop that. You've got passion for what you really believe in, and you've got passion for what you believe is really good, because you'll tell people. And so, I'm going to ask you this morning, who believes that Jesus is real? Who believes that Jesus is good? Who believes that you better tell somebody that Jesus is good? you got to tell somebody. This is the real deal right here. And so, let's look at John 10 and verse 10. Amen. And if you've gone to church here very long, you know John 10, 10. But I'm going to read it in the NLT today, not the King James. Most of us know it in the King James. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. John 10 and verse 10. And this is a difference maker. This verse, this settles it, man. John 10 and verse 10. It tells us this. Jesus himself speaking here. He says, the thief's purpose, who's the thief? Satan, it's the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And the King James says to give them life and life more abundantly. But right here, to give them a rich and satisfying life. And so 
What does Satan do? He steals, he kills, and he destroys. What does Jesus do? He gives a rich and satisfying life. He gives abundant life. And so let me put it in the most basic kindergarten terms that everybody in the world can understand. Jesus good, devil bad. I mean, I, I just, if I could break it down even less words, I would, I promise. But that's all I can do. Jesus is good, the devil is bad. And you've got to know that, because if you don't, you'll have things happen in your life, and you'll wonder if it was God or the devil that sent trouble into your life. Man, I lost all this. I got this going on. I feel like I'm dying over here. Man, this is happening. wonder if God's doing this to me to teach me something. God doesn't steal from you, kill you, or destroy you. He gives you life. And until, if you think that God is the source of your trouble, listen, and not the answer to your trouble, you're going to be a very confused person. You're not going to know how to pray. You're not going to know what to do. Establish it in your heart today that the bad in your life is not God. The devil brings that. What do we do about that? Man, we've got authority over every work of the devil, Luke 10, 19, in the name of Jesus. But if we're going to have faith and be able to do what God has called us to do, you've got to establish beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus is real and that Jesus is good. Now, if you're a deep thinker, maybe you've noticed this, but I don't know. Have you ever noticed that the word good and the word God are very, very similar? They're only separated by one letter. And, and, and maybe if you've taken a step further, you've noticed that the word devil and the word evil are very, very similar. I mean, you know, there's one letter apart. What is this? Well, I found it interesting, and, and being the nerd that I am, uh, I, I was, I was kind of studying the, the origins of the English language, and this is very interesting to me. When the English language was being formed, it came from the Germanic tribes, uh, the Anglos and Saxons that were moving into parts of what would now be England. And they were combining their languages with the native tongue of the people there. But when these people started to learn about the God of the Bible, they abandoned their false idols and different gods that they were worshiping. And they were forming this new language and they had to come up with a word for God. And they had to think, what, well, what's the most, what, how do you describe God? Good. <laughs> God is good. And so they made this word in the English language as close to the word good as they possibly could. And they got it back then with all of the modern technology and geniuses that we have surrounding us today. And so, let's just break it down today. Check it out. God is good. Can someone say that with me today? God is good. Amen. He is so good to us. So much better than we could ever possibly deserve. And I am absolutely convinced that Jesus is the only hope and only answer available to the problems that our world faces today. Listen, you work with some very lost and hurting people. Do you know that? 
You don't have to look far, man. Drive out there. You work with some very hurt and broken people. You go to school with some very lost and hurting, broken people, man. The teenagers that we talk to, they face issues that I couldn't have even dreamed of back in, you know, 100 years ago when I was in high school. Listen, these guys are facing some real things. Children are facing real things. And people are like, well, you know, you don't want to talk to the kids about God and, and, and you know, just wait a little bit on that. And, and here's what I always say. Listen, I'll wait to talk to the kids about God if you can promise me that the devil's going to wait to try to screw their lives up. No, he will try to destroy these children and these teenagers. He's not going to wait. He's got no mercy. Listen, he will try from the minute they're born to try to screw their lives up. And so you got to know, man, that you go to a church that we're preaching to hundreds of you in here, but those kids, they're not over there playing with Play-Doh. They're eating the Play-Doh. But, but I'm, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. My kids and my nephews probably are, but you know, <laughs> no, no. They're learning the word of God, just like you are. They may not be in a deep theological discourse and homiletically, blah, blah, blah. no, but they're hearing the word of God on their level. And so guess what? You're doing a great job as a parent if you're simply bringing your kids to church. You're giving them the best shot at life right there. I'm telling you that right now. And the harvest is great. We see children receiving Jesus all the time. And I absolutely love it. I love it because I know that if we can reach them at that young age, man, we have got a good shot. And so Jesus is the answer to everything that the big people face, but he's also the answer and the only way for even the children. And Jesus, in fact, said in the book of Matthew, unless you become as the children, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to have faith like a child and believe that Jesus is real and that Jesus is good. And I know that we see people with deep problems all the time. And what we tend to do in our society, or maybe if you don't genuinely care about people, what's the easy thing to do? Well, you put a Band-Aid on it, right? Like, hey, man, I'm sorry this happened to you. Uh, you know, best of luck. Hope it works out. You know, hang in there, chief. Hope you make it. And what is that? That's a Band-Aid when they need healing. And I'll tell you today that Jesus is not a Band-Aid. Jesus is healing right down at the root of the problem. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up all their wounds, according to Psalm 34. We have a society that needs healing, not a Band-Aid, not a little Tylenol. They need the healing power of God that you received when you were a broken mess. They need it. And what is your part in bringing them in to the hospital that Jesus has available to them? Amen? So we got to have faith if we're going to do this thing that Jesus is real, that Jesus is good. And here's number three, that Jesus has called you. Do you know that you are called of God? Not everybody in this room knows that. I'm well aware of that. Uh, and not everybody that claims to be a Christian knows this, but it is factual. Every single one of us 
has a calling of God on our life. And somehow, some way, that calling is to bring other people to Jesus. Through, you know, it's going to look different for every one of us, but every single one of us is called. You are not wandering around on this giant rock for no reason. You have a purpose. You were born at just the right day that Jesus had picked out before the foundation of the world. You were born at just the right time in the right place. It wasn't a chance. It wasn't an accident. Jesus has a plan for your life. What in the world are you going to do about it? You're not going to waste it, are you? Are you going to do something about it? And so you have to know in your heart that God does have a plan for your life, and then you need to find out what that is and follow that plan. I've got a quote that I shared a few weeks ago, but man, this just smacks me in the face every time I read it. Blake, you can put that on the screen. But it was from the great preacher D.L. Moody. He said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. I'm going to say it again so they hear it in the back. Listen, listen. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And I know, I mean, what good is it if you were successful at something, but it was the wrong thing? One time when I was a kid, this was the beginning and the ending of my construction career. Uh, when I was about 14 years old, uh, we were doing an addition onto our house. And my parents, out of their love, made me go help my uncle in this room addition. It was one of the best days of my life. And so he didn't give me a whole lot of instructions. He gave me a hammer and nails. It's like, hey, you know, go do the hammer, the hammer those boards. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I spent a very long time hammering these certain boards into place. And I was quite proud of myself. And then I go back to my uncle, and I'm like, hey, done. And he comes back, and he's like, well, you know, you nailed pretty good. You hammered pretty good, but those were the wrong boards. Like, oh, gosh. And so you did good, but at the wrong thing. And some of us, you know, we may be like, oh, I'm doing good, man. I've got a 401K. I've got loads of money. I've got the toys and the house and the trucks that I always dreamed of. Fine, no, I'm not against those things. But is that what God called you to succeed at? Listen, when you sincerely seek him, listen, he'll give you the other things. Matthew 6, write it down. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the things will be added to you, okay? If your heart desires some of those things, no problem. He'll get them to you. But at the expense of saving souls from hell, of helping broken and beaten up people that life has slapped them around from day one and you were the one that was called to bring them out of the ditch but you didn't do it, but it's okay now because you have the biggest truck in Barstow? He's going to hell, but man, tell you what, we got a six-bedroom house, so. <laughs> you succeeded at the wrong thing. Does that, I mean, when you think about something like that, does that just at least make you stop to ponder, Lord, am I doing what you put me here to do? I couldn't be fulfilled if 
if what I was doing in life was not bringing other people to Jesus, he's the only way to do this thing. The only way. Uh, let's look at John chapter 6. But uh, John chapter 6, as we're turning there, I was thinking of a story I heard from uh, my friend's dad. My friend's dad founded one of the largest churches in Southern California. And it's an incredible church to this day. And they've reached hundreds of thousands of people for the Lord. Well, a few years ago, he, re he retired from full-time preaching. And, uh, you know, he had some extra time now. So he starts up a construction company with some other people and investors. And his role was more of a management type of thing. But he said after one year, he had already pocketed like $200,000 in straight profit. And I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, hey, that's pretty good. And he said he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is cool. He was en enjoying it, soaking it in. And then he was talking to the Lord one day, and God was like, good job. But I never told you to do that. And he was like, what? <laughs> God's like, you did, and you made a lot of money, but that is not. I never told you to do that. That was all you. Give it all back. And he's like, what? A couple hundred thousand dollars? And God's like, no. You didn't obey me. Now you have to give it back. And he was like, fine, I'll do it. So he gave it all away, every penny of it. I'm like, my gosh, that would take some faith that you heard God's voice right there. He gave it all back. He got out of the business. Not that it was a sinful thing at all. It just wasn't what God told him to do. And then he got right back into doing what God told him to do. Think about that. Just are we succeeding at the wrong things? John chapter 6, I want you to see this. This is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, there's very few stories that you'll find in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke basically share the exact same stories, uh, but from uh, the different angles and perspectives. And so one guy may, you know, may have seen things a little different or was witnessing the event from a different view. And so he may give different details. John, he is mainly not the same as the other three Gospels. He basically tells all different stories. But this is one of the few stories that he actually shares with the other three Gospels. And I find that very, very interesting. So what we have here is Jesus has been preaching to multitudes, thousands of people, and then he realizes, man, these people, they are going to have to eat or they're going to faint along the way. And so uh, the disciples are tasked with feeding thousands of people all at once. So John chapter 6, pick it up at verse 8. John chapter 6, pick it up right here at verse 8. And so it says, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here. We found a kid with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So we know they fed way beyond 5,000 that day. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't you love to see something like this? After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers. There it is again. Mark it down. Jesus loves leftovers. 
He loves it. He, he can't get enough of it, all right? So that nothing is wasted. And where I grew up, you don't waste no food. When you got brothers like I got, you eat every bit. Amen. And so verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. Now listen, nothing about this story makes any sense. Nothing. Do the math. I mean, he's got a few fish and a few loaves, and they end up with more baskets than actual food items they had in the beginning. It just, this makes no sense at all. But what I want to show you here, out of the hundred lessons for this story, I'm just going to do one. Listen. Who stepped up to the plate and offered something to Jesus that day? A kid. 5,000 men. And it took a kid to step up and say, well, Jesus, I don't have enough for everyone, but I've got this. You can have it all. The kid said, Jesus, you can have it all. And yet we've got these adults that they want to fight with God over 10% of something. <laughs> I want to see the miraculous. What are you offering Jesus to work with here? Listen, this kid gave up 100% of what he had, and Jesus took it and used it and did something great. And so maybe you're here again, and, and because I talk to people, and they're like, I don't know what I have to offer, though, man. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't do this. I can't. But you can do something. What is it that you have that you can offer to Jesus? And some people don't know where to start, and so I would just tell you, start where you see need. Either out there or in here. If you don't know where to serve, church is a great place to serve God at. And I, well, I don't know what to do, man. Listen to me. John D. Rockefeller is the richest American, one of the richest men in the history of the world. His 2024 net worth is, would be $410 billion if he was alive today. Well, that sounds like a lot. Well, Elon Musk is currently the richest, and he's $223 billion. John Rockefeller was nearly twice as rich as this guy. But check it out. John D. Rockefeller, you know, you can read some bad things about him probably, but he served in his little church in Ohio. He served in this little church even as he was becoming a very rich man. Well, what did he do? He lit the candles for church services because they didn't have light bulbs back then, and he swept the floors after it was over. I don't have much to offer. Well, can you run a bathroom? Can you change a diaper? Can you stand at a door and say, it's great to see you at church this morning. I hope you receive from God today. Can you smile at someone? Can you just show up and, 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 and love on people? Can you at least do that? Can you breathe? Listen, God's not looking for, <laughs> he's just looking for available people, all right? You don't have to have this insane skill set. Listen, God will use your skills, no doubt about it, but just start where you see a need. 
offer up some fish and bread, all right? And God will do something miraculous with it. And I do love a good fish sandwich, so I'll just say that if, you're, if that's part of your calling, amen? And so, listen, God can use you, start where you see a need. And the fourth and final thing today is this. We're talking about if you are going to help bring in the harvest, it will take faith. Number four, that you can rely on him. That you can absolutely trust and rely on him. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning that you better get a hold of. Whatever God calls you to is going to be bigger than you. Whatever God calls you to is going to be beyond your intelligence, beyond your bank account, beyond your skill set. It's going to be bigger than you. Well, why is that? Well, if you could accomplish it all within your own ability, it wouldn't take any faith. Listen, it doesn't take much faith for me to just pick this up right here because I can handle this. Now, it, it would take faith uh, for me to pick up the grand piano by myself. That thing is stinking heavy, okay? <laughs> and so that would, I, that's beyond me. That is beyond, I couldn't pick up that whole thing and lift it over my head. I'm going to have to rely on some outside help. You get it? And so maybe you're like, yeah, but I feel God's calling me to do this. I just don't know how I would do that. That is probably God. It's probably God. If your vision and your dream doesn't excite you a little, but at the same time make you sweat a little bit, <laughs> I don't know, man. Listen, I... God is calling you to some big thing. He's going to call you to step out of the boat and walk on the water where your only chance of making it is fully relying on him. You've got to trust him. There's no other way. And that's faith when we can trust in him. Who in here, you've got a dream and a vision in your heart. God's planted something there. And listen, I hope it's something that stretches you a little bit. I hope it's something that, if nothing else, just makes you step outside of your comfort zone just a little bit. Because God doesn't get glory in the things that are humanly possible to you. He gets glory when there's no doubt about it. Only God could have done that through you. Only God could have. And my dad always uses this illustration. If you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know he had help getting there. I, I grew up out in the woods. I used to see turtles and snapping turtles and all, but I, I never saw one just sitting on, why? They can't do that on their own. If you see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know he had outside help. And it should be that when people see your life and see the goodness of God and see how God has used you, they say, there has to be a God. There's no way she's that smart. There's no way he could have done that. It ought to make you sweat just a little bit. Listen, the things that God is doing through this church and this ministry right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna, why? We've got to rely on God for the things that he's calling us to do. It's a thrilling life. Amen? Some people, they're thrill seekers. They want to jump out of airplanes and, you know, oh, oh, yeah. 
just for the sake of winning a t-shirt contest, okay? That's the type of people that go to this church, okay? Make no mistake, there's some very weird people here. But listen, if, you know, some people, they just want that adrenaline. They want that rush. They want that, you know, they want to lay it all out there. And that, they, you know, God bless you. Good for you, amen? But you want the biggest thrill, the biggest, I mean, the biggest step of faith, stepping out there, ask God, hey, what do you want me to do? And then actually do it. And guess what? In my life so far, I have never had the money to do what he's told me to do. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Well, <laughs> listen, I've never, God doesn't ever say, well, I see that you've got $400 in your account, so yeah, I'm going to ask you. And he never says, hey, I see you've got $10,000 in your account. That's not enough. I'm going to have to ask somebody else. No, listen, if it's God's will, it's God's bill, okay? If he's telling you to do it, he'll provide. He'll make the way for it, okay? He's not calling you to do things because you've just got it all together. He's calling you to do things because he put you on earth for a reason. And he's just looking for somebody that'll say, yes, I'll do it. So, Here I am, Lord, send me. And I'll bet that God's going to use you to do something. And perchance, you weren't the first person that he told to do it to. He had to pass over a bunch of other people that wouldn't listen until he got to you. And you say, hey, you know what? I have no idea how to do that, but you said to do it, so I'm going to do it. Fair? That's what God's looking for. I'm going to look at one final verse today. One final verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. But before we turn there, I want to share another quote. I think I put this on the screen from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. You don't have to see the whole staircase and everything that, you know, we seem to do. I, you, we don't ever see the end from the beginning. Just take the first step. God says, hey, I want you to, you know, to, to reach kids. So, boom, take the first step. You know, I was thinking about around here that, we know that we're called to help families and to reach kids and, and, and all this stuff. And so, well, what's step one? Well, provide a classroom for them, okay? What's step two? Get people to come teach in these classrooms. Uh, what's the next step? Come up with Bible lessons and, and crafts and games that kids will like. And then what's the next step? Well, God has sent so many kids upon us that we literally don't have enough room for all of them. And that's a really cool problem to have, but we're in a place now where we're taking a step of faith, and I'm not putting timelines on anything at all, but we are drawing up plans with architects and stuff to build a whole new building just for kids. All right? That's happening. Amen? And well, how does that make you feel, Pastor Dave? Like I'm going to pass out. Oh, my gosh. Oh. He's seen inflation, but guess what? God's got it. Uh, I'm not paying for it. I, I couldn't pay. I couldn't, you know, put carpet in the broom. <laughs> but God can, amen? And so big things are happening, but where did it all start? Just taking that first step. Okay, there's one step. Hey, there must be the next one. There's the next one. Just following God, and he will make incredible things happen in your life. But you've got to take a step. 
And so maybe you feel something in your heart that God's telling you to do. Well, take some sort of a step of faith. Do something. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, last verses here. We're going to read them in the New King James. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. How much of my heart should I trust in the Lord with? All of it, okay? Trust in Him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Listen, God is going to call you to some things that you don't understand. Flat out. He's going to call you to things that you're like, well, why are you telling me to do that? Trust Him, even if you don't understand it. Verse 6, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And I'm telling you now that the minute you quit relying on your own understanding and start trusting in God to direct it, things will take a whole new turn in your life. And sometimes it's a wild ride, it's a roller coaster, but God's with you every step of the way. He will take you on an adventure, man, that'll absolutely rock your world. And it's a really fun adventure when you're doing things his way. Amen. Can we go ahead and stand up together today? Praise God. I pray that you've received the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we know, no doubt about it, it is going to take faith to accomplish what God is calling us to do. And again, maybe you're here and you're like, well, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what my role is. If you don't have a specific thing on your heart, find out where there's a need, where you see a need, and meet that need. That's, that's the simplest thing that I can say right now. Now, know this, though, that why are we so urgent about this? Why, you know, why are we up here yelling and, you know, all that? Why? Because people are crossing that line into the afterlife every single day. Did you know that 150,000 people die every single day? 150,000 people. Now, I was reading about this. 90% of them are older people that are dying, you know, of old age. But that still means at least 10% are younger people that did not see it coming. 15,000 people at least a day that didn't see it coming. They had no idea that it was going to, that this would be their day. And that like terrifies me, man, that there's people, some of them are going to heaven and some of them aren't. I like, I can't be okay to just let that happen. And I know that's just the daily average, but I know beyond that, that a day's coming really, really soon when Jesus is coming back. And then we're going to be looking at mass issues that the world's never seen before. We don't have much time. The, it's starting to rain, and the door to the ark is starting to close. And that's why we are desperately passionate about getting out to the harvest field and telling people, you've, you've got to believe me. Jesus is real. He's really, really good, I promise. But you've got to get things right with him. And so I'm just going to tell you today, man, that a lot of you get that undeniably. There's people here that they've acknowledged it with their head, but acknowledging God's existence isn't what gets you to heaven. Asking Jesus into your heart and admitting that you need a savior because you can't save yourself anymore. That's 
when you receive Jesus and when you become born again. And so the best thing I can do, the only thing I can do is show you the way. I want to lead you in a prayer together today. We do this every week. And my hope is that there's some that maybe ignored last week, but they'll say yes this week. And so we're going to lead you in a prayer today. This is a golden opportunity to get things right with God because I'm not a negative guy, I swear, but I just know that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or tonight or whenever, and I can't stand before God and know that I had a chance to at least tell you, and I just didn't because I wanted to go catch the Chiefs game or catch the restaurant. Like, it's, this is more serious than anything ever. Nothing's more serious than this. And so, can we pray together today? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And let's pray this together. Can you say... Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. Give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise. right, listen, if you're here and you prayed that prayer and you really did mean it and you really do want to get things on the right path with God, I'm going to give you the best thing I can give you today. Listen, this is Jose right here. Jose is going to be standing right over here. Amen. We have a we have a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer, SPT, where what we'll do is for the next 30 days, We'll connect you with somebody else from the church here, uh, you know, a, a mature Christian that they can text you a Bible verse and a devotion every day. They're going to be praying for you, mentoring you. If you've got questions, they'll try to answer them. But what's the point of this? They're going to try to help you get your life on the right path and mentor you for a full month, man, a full month to help you get going the right way. This is the best gift I could ever give anybody. And we literally have dozens. And I, at this point, hundreds of people, so many of you have gone through this and it was just the thing you needed to help you say it. Because you repeated prayers before, but then you forgot about it the next day. But you had some accountability and you had somebody in your life and they helped you really stick with Jesus. So I'm gonna have my prayer team come on up today. Listen, if you're here and you need prayer, for anything at all. Our prayer team wants to pray with you, so we're gonna do that. But if you're here and you want that spiritual personal trainer, you want those next steps, while we're praying for people, go see Jose. He's gonna get your information and we're gonna connect you with somebody. And if you're here and you're like, hey, I'm good on everything. Hey, we are thrilled for you. Praise God. Pray for those that do need prayer. And Pastor Josh is gonna lead us in worship. Give God like five more minutes today of reverence and then we'll dismiss you. Amen? Let's go. the
today, man. Who's had a good time together in the house of the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. It's been a great day. Well, we're going to go ahead and wind things down here. The February devotions, the printed form is already back there at the info booth if you want it in printing. And then, uh, of course, the digital will be online in the next few days, too, just in time for February. So, hey, we've got service tonight, six o'clock. Come on back. We're going to have a great time. Financial Peace University is meeting in Victory Hall at 530. And so if you signed up for that, uh, make sure that you're there tonight. And it's just going to be an absolutely fantastic rest of this day and a great week. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. And then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, we thank you that you are real, God, and that you are good to us, Lord. And you said that you reward those who diligently seek you. And so, Lord, we are diligently seeking you. We are chasing after you, Jesus. We want to be closer to you. And we know that there is great reward in that. We love you. Help us, God, to do what you've called us to do, to fulfill your call in our lives so we can help as many people with your love as we possibly can. We praise your name today. Bring us back next time. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right. Let's do our Barstow Faith Confession, and then you can be dismissed. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will see you tonight.